Hi everyone, thank you for joining us on Eagle Eye today. Every week we have exclusive interviews with your favorite BC student athletes, professors, alumni, and more. Make sure to follow The Heights on Instagram and Facebook to recommend guests you'd like to hear from. You can catch up on the latest headlines on The Heights Facebook and Twitter pages every Monday. Today's exciting because we have a special guest, uh, social media manager of The Heights, owner Topper. Uh, owner is here to give some insight into midterm elections uh, a week after the justice settled the polls. Uh, thank you for being here, Owner. Thanks so much for having me, Eamon. Thank you. Yeah, of course. So um, it's been a couple of days now um, since everything's kind of happened. Um, what were some of your kind of general expectations and maybe surprises heading into elections? Yeah, so honestly, I was a bit pessimistic uh, going into going into the midterms about how Democrats would do. But I think it's safe to say that they uh, exceeded my expectations and the expectations of a lot of people uh, who are really closely tracking these uh, these races. So um, maybe uh, some of the uh, listeners may have seen I put up uh, I wrote a, um, a predictions midterms predictions um, uh, op-ed and about uh, a week before the before the midterms. And I had the Senate saying 50 50 with us losing. Nevada, but obviously Nevada ended up in uh, Democratic hands. So um, that's kind of one example, maybe, of me kind of uh, uh, losing faith in the Democrats. But I think they did a very nice job, especially on the House side, actually, which uh, kind of blew my mind, considering the fact that you know President Obama lost 63 seats in 2010 during the Tea Party wave, and um, you know uh, uh, George W. Bush uh, even gained seats in the House um, right after. Uh, 9-11 and, and the 2002, uh, 2002 midterms. So uh, this also makes Biden um, a pretty, it, it makes Biden's victory pretty historic considering uh, how the president normally does in their first midterm, if you even look at Trump four years ago in 2018. So uh, Biden kind of has done a pretty, a pretty incredible job. And, um, uh, and I think I was reading somewhere, it was um, that since 1922, there's only been about three instances of the president's party gaining or losing no Senate seats and losing less than 10 seats in their first midterm. So um, that's a really good sign on the federal level. But even, you know, on the state level in places like Michigan, for example, like where there's going to be for the first time since, since the 80s that the Democrats are going to have both uh, the governor's office as well as majorities in both chambers of the state legislature. So that's also a pretty big thing uh, to to have for you in uh, local jurisdictions and uh, for lawmaking on the state level. But um, obviously that was good news for Democrats, but I think the Republicans did, did very well in two key states and that's Florida and New York. And um, if we look at those uh, those areas, I think it's very uh, clear that Republicans are gaining a lot in Florida. And obviously that's uh, part uh, partly due to former President Trump uh, relocating there from New York. He lives in Palm Beach, obviously infamously at at Mar-a-Lago, and um, they've done a really good job, specifically in Miami-Dade County, actually, which um, usually Democrats win by just a few points, and um, Biden even won in 2020. But this year, they kind of swept it completely with um, with Marco Rubio doing really well there in his Senate race against Val Demings, and then uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis also doing very, very well. I remember watching MSNBC, watching the results, and just hearing like audible gasps from the from the uh from the anchors when the Miami Dade numbers came in, but um, but those were some good signs for Republicans. But it's it was also interesting, you know, considering how important inflation seemed for voters, that you know how little it really affected uh, the House results. You know, I saw an NBC poll where forty four percent of voters said that inflation or crime were their biggest issues this cycle, and you'd think that 
uh, that would be pretty beneficial to the GOP. But it uh, seems like the Democrats really, uh, really did well on that level. Yeah, no, it's it's a lot to unpack for sure. And um, you mentioned stuff like inflation and, um, you know, Trump and all these other factors that have brought so many voters out to the polls more than Obama, which is kind of really interesting to see. Um, do you see that kind of conflict causing any problems moving forward, even after the elections, you know, and just in the government in general? Um, like, are Republicans and Democrats, you know, so up in arms that that will cause even more problems moving forward? Um, I don't think so. I think it was actually a good sign. Uh, in all honesty, I think it was a good sign for for democracy. And you know, election den deniers, I think, lost their races for every uh, for key state races in every you know twenty twenty battle battleground state. So that's states like Pennsylvania, uh, Arizona, etc. Um, so I think it was definitely a good sign. It's a good sign that people are voting, voting even more than the twenty eighteen midterms as well, which which was definitely a good sign considering it's not a, a presidential election year. And um, I think on the topic of abortion specifically, I think that it kind of definitely energized the Democratic base and it gave something for Democrats and um, especially women to vote for. Because I think that, you know, the Republicans were definitely more on the offense and the Democrats are, I mean, the party in power usually doesn't have much to um, have have on offense during the midterm election. So um, as much as, you know, Democrats won't, uh, as much as Democrats don't like the the Dobbs decision that came out past June, it really, uh, really helped them definitely um, in their races recently. And I think, um, you know, with all of Trump's candidates, with most of uh, Trump's endorsed candidates also losing, I think that's also a sign that, uh, you know, maybe the GOP is moving away from uh, more of a Trump, a Trump led party to maybe more of a, a return to a more uh, moderate stance Republican Party with still with obviously with um, influences from Trump and the Trump era, but uh, moving away from Donald Trump uh, as a leader in general. Yeah, and that's something that's really interesting, um, especially, I mean, just a couple of years ago, it seemed like everyone was kind of rallied around Trump. But now, you know, because he's so polarized and people are kind of, you know, turning the other way. Um, he's actually having a beneficial effect for Democrats um, yeah. because yeah. Republicans are switching sides. So um, that's really interesting. And um, I know, I mean, obviously, um, like the Senate races are really dependent on the candidates. Um, are there any particular candidates who you think are or did particularly well? Um, I know you talked about it just a couple minutes ago, but um, any anyone in particular who maybe outseat or exceeded expectations or maybe didn't do as, as well yeah i think the first one that comes to my mind is john fetterman in, in uh, pennsylvania you know even though he um he, he he's a well first of all yeah, he's a the current lieutenant governor of pennsylvania and he had a stroke this past may and um his uh, debate performance on the 25th of october was not good to to say the least and um uh, even though it w which was caused by his stroke obviously and um and i think in spite of that, he ended up doing really, really well in Pennsylvania, and he ended up even outperforming Biden from from 2020. And I think that just speaks to you know how much obviously Pennsylvanians like Fetterman, but I think um, it kind of speaks to how much uh, the influence of Trump can play in these kinds of states because his opponent, obviously Dr. Oz, was endorsed by Trump, and he barely, barely got through the primary, and obviously it was I think because of his endorsement that he did get to get to the general election. But um, so, yeah, Fetterman definitely, I think, did well. I think Maggie Hassan and 
um, in New Hampshire against uh, um, Don Bolduck. I think she did really well also. I think the polls kind of had a close race there, but I think she ended up um, really getting ahead uh, towards the end. And I think I think uh, when I was watching the election results come in, seeing her do well was kind of a, a good omen, I think, because I think it kind of set the stage for uh, the rest of the rest of the races in the House and the Senate. And um, and I think a lot of the Democratic candidates did uh, better than I thought in that. One of them is Hassan. Um, and then Tim Ryan as well from Ohio. Obviously, he lost his race to, to J.D. Vance, but I, I honestly think he ran a very admirable campaign. I think he ran the best campaign a Democrat could have run against J.D. Vance in Ohio. And, um, you know, he's he's going to lose his seat in Congress right now. But I think that he did a good service to the Democrats there, because even though he lost the GOP poured in about $40 million into that race to to prop up Vance and, you know, when they could have spent it on more competitive races like Georgia or Nevada or Pennsylvania. So I think he uh, he did a very, very nice job there. And I think he, um, you know, he's young. I think he still has a has a bright future in the party. Um, but then I think moving on to the weaker candidates, I think, uh, first of all, Dr. Oz, which I just mentioned, I think, um, you know, just looking at a state like Pennsylvania, seeing how important it is um, in the presidential elections, just thinking that, you know, the Republicans couldn't get a better candidate than him. It was um, seems kind of concerning if you're a Republican. So um, and I think it, it kind of showed as well. People kind of thought he was a carpetbagger coming from uh, New Jersey to run for, for the Senate in Pennsylvania. I think that kind of turned people off. Um, I also think Herschel Walker in Georgia is also um, a, definitely a very weak candidate. And I think just looking at how you know Raphael Warnock is doing compared to him. And then if you also just look at uh, the governor's race as well between Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams and how many people voted split tickets. So voting Republican for the governor and then Democrat for the senator. Um, I think that's very, very telling. And obviously that race is now going to be a runoff on the 6th of December. So um, I think I think Warnock's gonna gonna take it home there. But um, you know, Walker, I think getting a just because uh, you know he won a Heisman doesn't mean he should be in the Senate. So I think that uh, uh, the Republicans did not make a good choice there. And then also um, in Arizona as well with Blake Masters, I think um, you know maybe I think any pretty much any Republican maybe who went up against Mark Kelly in Arizona would have uh, would would have lost. But I think Blake Masters in general just didn't have the the charisma or the enthusiasm, even though he did get a lot of backing from. Uh, uh, Silicon Valley billionaire Peter Thiel, but um, but I think him. And then lastly, um, one more I think is J.D. Vance. Obviously, he ended up winning, but he ran a pretty just a, not a good campaign. I think his debate performances were pretty questionable, and um, Tim Ryan did a very good job against him, as I said earlier. And I think um, you know, he just got away with it because Ohio's a, a pretty red state, and and he won by like seven or eight points, I believe. So, um, but yeah. Yeah, no, definitely a lot, lot going on, and a lot of different races to kind of evaluate. Um, I know the the Georgia one is still going on, which is yeah. kind of interesting to like process. But yeah. um, yeah, so I mean, going off of that, I mean, looking into even the leadership elections, which are kind of coming up, um, how do you think those are gonna um turn out in terms of you know what what races have been won and um, I know even like the Georgia one, you know, they're they're even thinking about delaying the elections to wait wait for that. Um, mm -hmm. How do you think those will turn out, and what are kind of the expectations there? Do you think? Yeah, I think it uh, kind of depends on the House side at least. I kind of, I think it definitely depends on 
uh, for the Republicans depends on how much of a majority they get. Because at this point, it seems like it's going to be a bare bones majority at 219, 220. Um, so I think I think Kevin McCarthy can still rally up his base and get to 218 and become speaker come uh, come January 3rd. But um, on the Democratic side in the House, I think I'm not sure what's going on in Nancy Pelosi's head, uh, but um, there were some very interesting rumors that I heard that, um, you know, if the Democrats lost the House, that um, Biden would nominate uh, Nancy Pelosi to become U.S. ambassador to Italy. And he hasn't nominated anyone to that position yet. And it's been he, he's almost been in, been in office for almost two years. So, um, you know, I think he might be saving that position for uh, for Speaker Pelosi. But um at this point, I think considering how well Democrats did, if I were her, I would stay. And I think she will end up staying. Um, and then moving to the Senate side, I think Democrats obviously are going to keep their same uh, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, who's been doing a very, very incredible job confirming judges and uh, keeping his uh, Senate caucus together with uh, with all that's going on and getting through uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court this past spring. Um, but with regards to the Senate Republican, um, I saw recently that uh, Rick Scott was actually going to open up a challenge to Mitch McConnell for the Senate uh, minority or Senate Republican leader uh, position. And um, I, I don't know why he would want to do that, because considering uh, that he was the chair of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. So he basically oversees all the Republican Senate races and all the candidates running for them, uh, running for the seats. So um, considering that he really didn't do a good job there, I don't know why he thinks he should be uh, the Senate Republican leader. But I still think Again, Mitch McConnell is going to uh, going to become a uh, minority leader uh, in the next Congress. So, um, yeah, I think not not too many changes, I think, on um, on both sides of the aisle in both chambers. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and you also mentioned like Pelosi, um, you know, it's it's kind of crazy <laughs> that, you know, I think Paul Pelosi was attacked in his home. So, yeah. um, you know, even decisions like that come into play where you know, people are so kind of um, invested in these elections. Maybe that had an impact on me um, or was caused by the election, um, that attack. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's interesting all the all the different factors at play. Um, and I know you also you also talked about Trump yeah. and his his impact on the on the potential elections and, and maybe even pre presidential elections, uh, yeah. you know, in the future. Um, how do you think he will kind of factor into, you know, what what comes into play and, um, you know, who's even uh, nominated as the president um, nominee for Republicans? Yeah, at, uh, honestly, at, at this point, it's very it's really interesting because I think both sides of the aisle don't know what they're going into in 2024. You know, I think the Democrats aren't very sure if they want. Uh, Biden, who would be 86 on January 20th, 2029, which would be his last day in office after two terms. So I'm not sure that Democrats are too sure they want to go with Biden. Um, but I'm also not too sure that Republicans want to go with with Trump either. So I think both sides are kind of in a limbo of what they want to do. But in terms of the Republican side, I think Trump's going to definitely see some challenges from uh, some of his former officials. So people like even like Mike, P Mike Pence, I think, I think he'll definitely um, throw his hat in the ring. I think uh, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina is definitely um, a contender. I think uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo could definitely get in there. Um, and then Ron DeSantis as well. I think Ron DeSantis would 
I don't know. I, I don't want to get preemptive. You know, people say that actually that people say that the 2024 election starts the day after the 2022 election. That's very true. But I think that Ron DeSantis, if he did run against Trump, would become the nominee. Um, I think he's just made to be not. I don't know if I want to say made to be president, but he's he has a very, um, uh, very uh, solid background that would make him uh, uh, a very viable contender for the presidency. And I think uh, as much as I wouldn't want him to become president one day, I think he definitely will because you know he's young. He's been a governor of a big state like Florida, and and a lot of people like him. And um, I think he's a young, fresh face for the Republican Party after um, six years of Trump. So I think, especially putting him up against someone like Biden, for example, who would be uh, eighty-two running for re-election, I think would definitely give them a strong chance. But I think that um, you know, even just looking at the midterm elections recently, it's clear that Trump really just drags the candidates down. You know, you could argue that it hurt it hurt Oz in Pennsylvania or that it hurt uh, uh, Herschel Walker in Georgia as well. And um, I think as much, even though he wasn't in office uh, during this this midterm election, uh, a lot of people voted um, voted as if, you know, he's he's still a irrelevant political leader, which which he actually is. So um, I'm not sure if I was the Republicans, obviously, I'd definitely stray away from him because he's not at this point he's not doing your um your your party any good and he has so much baggage that uh uh, that would come with with his candidacy you know with all the uh, investigations into him and um possible legal uh legal implications that would come with that you know i don't see why you would want to go with someone like trump when ron DeSantis doesn't have have any of that he's young um you know he's a new fresh face and um you know he's someone who could uh, possibly take down Biden in 2024. Yeah, he's he's definitely demonstrated that he's a fighter and that he's not willing to back down, especially with, you know, the immigration policy just a couple of weeks ago setting, yeah. what, I think, 50 migrants to Martha's Vineyard and kind right. of this very, like, politic- politicized um, move. So it'll, it'll definitely be interesting to see. And, um, yeah, we'll see if, kind of Biden can hold down the ship and yes. um, what happens there. But uh, yeah, I mean, you, you touched on so many amazing points. And um, as far as Biden's presidency right now, do you see him kind of continuing to to stay as that main nominee, um, maybe even go for re-election? Or do you think maybe, you know, because of his age or because of other factors that maybe it's time for someone else in the Democratic Party? Yeah, I think I think him him and his party doing well in these recent midterms. I'm not I, I don't I'm kind of conflicted on how it it's it's going to impact his 2024 decision because on one hand it's you know if you know if he did so well you might you might as well go off on a high note and not run for re-election pass it to the next generation but on the other hand you know it shows that people like you even though obviously his approval ratings are uh, not good it shows that you know people still like what he's doing for this country, I think, at least somewhat on the House level. So um, it kind of conflicted on that. But I think that um, it's also important to consider who would run if Biden doesn't run. And in my view, if Biden doesn't run, I think Kamala Harris is pretty much going to be the nominee. And I'm not sure how a lot of people feel about that. I've seen a lot of polls where her approval ratings are even below that of Joe Biden. So um, I think that's something that Joe Biden might be considering as well. I think he's definitely thinking about um, you know, what's going to happen if he doesn't run. I think the main reason why he even threw his hat in the ring in 2020 was to take down Trump. And I think 
if he sees Trump running again, which he probably will, uh, will do, um, I think it makes him even more likely to run. So um, he Biden said that he'll make a decision in the new year. He's going to think about it over Christmas with his family and everything. So um, we'll hear from him in the next year, next year. But um, if I were to predict, I'd say that he will run. Um, but I think it's time for new blood. I think someone like Pete Buttigieg, for example, would be an incredible, incredible candidate. But, um, but you know, I like Biden. I like how he's been so far, but I think it is time for new blood, so. Yeah, and um, I mean, you could even argue that so many of the factors were even out of his control, you know, the market, inflation, all of that. Yes. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely see what happens and um, it'll be interesting for sure. The next two years, keeping up with it. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have. Unless you have anything else you want to add, but thanks so much for for coming on. This is great. Thank you. Thanks so much, Amos. It's great.